And so I've been wanting to share with them the truth and get a foundation and, a, and the basics instilled in them. And that's why, uh, obviously, we want to uh, use the CDs also that they can take home with them free, free of charge and everything because uh, they need to go over this and, and understand this uh, and go over it a number of times so it gets down in their spirit. Um, but one of the things that happens is that uh, new believers, they'll come into church, they'll be so excited, they'll be so thrilled when they give their heart to the Lord. And many of you know that. And one of the things that troubles me, however, is when people begin their walk with the Lord, that they're, when they're uh, so excited and they're jubilant, and as time passes by, sometimes you don't see them anymore. You don't see them as frequently, and sometimes you don't see them at all. Uh, so to speak, the, the new kind of wears off, you might say, and they begin to gradually just start slipping away and slipping through the cracks, and before you know it, they don't come to church at all. And so life literally begins to choke them out all over again, and before you know it, there's, they're no longer there with us in the congregation. And, and the solution is uh, to this awful scenario is actually found in the problem. The problem is people tend to fall through the cracks, and life begins to choke them out, and the solution is very simple. We need to fill in the cracks. We need to fill in the cracks. They're, and what I'm talking about, it's simple. We have... We have been uh, been given this opportunity we've been given this thing for a while or we've been in this thing for a while I should say and we must take on the responsibility of mentoring and taking on the responsibility of discipleship with those people that are newly founded into the Christian walk some of us may have been saved some time ago, may, may have uh, given your heart to the Lord for uh, you know, a long time ago, and you really never got a foundation uh, built in your life, and you wondered what in the world has happened. I don't feel that joy anymore. I don't feel uh, the presence of God in, in my life anymore. And so what needs to happen is, is that before you slip all the way through the cracks and before life just chokes you out, you need to be discipled. You need to have your, uh, you need to have it within your mind and in your heart. You're going to uh, be a part of the congregation and uh, spend some time with the believers that do have that foundation. It's imperative that those of you who know the Word of God, like myself, take that time to mentor and disciple those who have found a new, have their newfound faith in God, and so we'll prevent the losses. It literally breaks my heart, and I, I know that I've talked to Dave and Carol about it and different ones, and I've mentioned it from the pulpit before. It literally breaks my heart to see someone come to the Lord in such genuine faith, only to hear that they no longer participate in the gathering of the saints together on uh, Sundays. 
and, and at different events or whatever the case might be, but they, they, it breaks my heart that they uh, no longer uh, participate in that. I know that there's been some uh, that have come here, they gave their heart to the Lord uh, two, three, four years ago, they no longer come, and even though I've tried to reach out to them, uh, there's some rejection there. And I'm not really sure exactly what the problem was with all of that, but now that I look back on it, it still breaks my heart because I feel like I could have maybe possibly done something more to help them out. But uh, my, my, uh, what I want to uh, present to you as uh, a group of believers is that we need to uh, assume that responsibility uh, to disciple those who have newly given their heart to the Lord. And we'll, uh, hopefully we'll be able to prevent a lot of that loss. So I feel it's necessary periodically also that we go back, some of us, you know, we, the cares of the world, uh, we've been in it a long time and the cares of the world just kind of attack us and we got a little bit of the world's pollution on us, so to speak. And uh, sometimes it's just good to go back and refresh our minds and get those basics back. I know that I had a, a position with FS, and I've mentioned it before, that every year I had to go and uh, take a refresher course. And it was always good to do that because even though I've been in, had, I've been in the LP business for a number of years, sometimes, some of the basics kind of left me, you know, and so it was always good to refresh my memory. And that's what I would like for all of us here to do uh, in this body of believers, is just to accept the idea that, yes, this might be a little bit on the basic side, but it's good to refresh your uh, memory. And so that's part of the inspiration of this uh, series we've begun on the blood of Jesus. We have agreed that it's just good to have a refresher course. And so I want to continue on with this series so we can get a firm foundation um, into the matter of uh, walking with the Lord on a daily basis because it is a lifestyle. And one of the things that we need to do is get that basic understanding and knowledge. Somebody gave their heart to the Lord because somebody ministered to them about the shed blood of Jesus and how it takes away our sin. And that's wonderful. And that's the truth. That's what it's all partially, a, you know, what it's all about. But there's a whole lot more to the blood of Jesus that we need to understand. And it will just reinforce our way uh, to walk in the things of the Lord. We begin our series with the understanding that there are several aspects of the blood of Jesus that Jesus purchased for us. I mentioned earlier that number one is rec reconciliation. And I included uh, the pardon of sin in the first one. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I did. I began this series, and a lot of it was uh, talking about reconciliation and the pardon of sin. So we talked about uh, the need for mankind to be pardoned and reconciled to God. Something we all need to understand is that we as human beings were at one time 
literally enemies of God. If we, if we are not born again and we haven't given our heart to the Lord, the Bible is very clear about it. We are the enemies of God. And that is one person we don't want to be an enemy toward, is God. The Bible teaches that from be, the, uh, before time even began, God had in his mind a plan, and a plan of redemption for all that would put their faith and trust in him. Now, I don't want anybody that's been in this thing for a long time to get uh, sleepy and dozing off on me. Because I know you know this, but some people don't realize all of these aspects. Romans 5 verses 9 through 11 say, How much more then, since we have been justified by his blood, will be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, see, we were at one time, we were at enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Verse 11, and not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So we have been uh, reconciled by the blood of Christ and, and the completed work of the cross of Jesus. And we were obviously at one time an enemy of God. So we can clearly see at one time you were an enemy of, of God, and if it weren't for the purchasing power of the shed blood of Jesus and the love of God to provide a way of redemption, we would, as the human race, be forever lost. So that was, uh, that was just a, a skimming over the first... Uh, message that we did. Number two, last week we talked a little bit more and obviously there's a lot more information. I'm just not going to be able to give it to you all at one time uh, because uh, we will run out of time for today. But the other aspect is that the blood of Jesus has a cleansing aspect to it. Jesus' blood cleansed us from all evidence of sin. Now, if anybody takes notes, that's something that really rang true and really blessed me in the last two or three weeks, is that the blood of Jesus literally cleansed us from all evidence of sin. Now, last week I shared that with you in that fact that the shed blood has the power to cleanse each and every one of us of any incriminating evidence whatsoever. Some of us can still look a little bit guilty if we don't understand that because we aren't walking in the, uh, the understanding that we know that God's blood or Jesus' blood has actually cleansed us. And so we leave a little bit of a trail of incriminating evidence. But once we realize this and we can come under the blood of Jesus, there is no longer incriminating evidence and Jesus, and God looks at us through the blood of Jesus and he pardons our sin. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is what? He is faithful and just 
to cleanse us of our sin and cleanse us from, excuse me, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God can be counted upon to forgive us of our sin and he will not hold these charges to our account. Not only that, he has the right to do so. That's what that verse is talking about. The offense was toward him. Our sin was an offense towards God. And because of the shed blood of Jesus, we now know that God has the right to consider us free from the wages of that sin. We don't have to be concerned about the wages of our sin any longer. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because of his own shed blood, we are considered white as snow. Our sin stain has been cleansed and no trace of it can be found. God no longer looks at you and I through that lens of hatred and anger towards sin, but he looks at us through the blood of Jesus and he, uh, he accepts that sacrifice that Jesus provided for us. And uh, it washes that awful stain away. Isaiah 1 and 18, part A, says, Come now and let us reason together. We have that reconciliation. We have that fellowship back with God. So we can reason together. We can talk things over with the Lord. We can make our uh, petitions, present our petitions before the Lord. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Isaiah was prophesying that time when Jesus shed blood was going to cover all of the sin. There's another passage where the Bible teaches that the shed blood of Jesus became a propitiation for our sin. And this is just a central truth that we need to understand. And if you want some more of the information, obviously we need to uh, get those CDs out to you and uh, go over them. You can go over them time and again, and there's a, a lot of good information there. So I certainly uh, understand that I've skimmed over some of the aspects of what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And so uh, avail yourselves to those uh, CDs. Today, however, our lesson then is on the aspect of sanctification. This is one more aspect that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. Jesus shed blood, purchased sanctification for you and I. Something that uh, I would like to share with you on this topic is uh, what I think you'll find not only interesting, but uh, just very, very important for us to understand. And let me begin by establishing this point. And we're talking about sanctification and holiness. When we begin our walk with the Lord, when we become a born-again believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there was a supernatural cleansing. I'm not going back into the cleansing too far. I just want to bring this point up so I can set up what I'm wanting to talk about today. There was a supernatural cleansing that took place in our inner man. On the inside, it was inner uh, work that the blood of Jesus was doing. And he was, by the power of the Spirit, he was just scrubbing us clean 
and, and what making us white as snow. And what, what, what happened is that we became then a blank slate, so to speak, and we need to get some new information programmed into our minds and our heart. That cleansing began in our minds and it purged us through our heart. And so, like I said, we need a, a special uh, information coming from the Word of God by washing in the water, the Word of the Bible says, and we need to get information instilled back onto that blank slate of our heart. And so, I want you to understand something here. When you gave your heart to the Lord, it was necessary for you to be cleansed. Your old life of sin had to be dealt with on a permanent basis. So the shed blood of Jesus came and purged you of and removed the sin stain of our old life. When you gave your heart to the Lord, it was necessary, necessary to be cleansed. So the reconciliation and the pardon and the cleansing aspects of the blood of Jesus all had to do then with the old life. We're starting anew now. Our old life of sin has been put, we are, the Bible says we are hidden in Christ. So our old life is buried in Christ. Now we have this new life and we have to have some new information plugged into it. So in essence, going forward, all that work that was done in your heart was done in preparation for this aspect of sanctifying you to God. I hope that makes sense to you. Your new life in Christ has begun, and pro the process of sanctification has just begun. Hebrews 13 and 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered with the gate, without the gate. What do we mean by sanctify? What are we talking about here? From the verse we just read, we can easily understand that sanctification comes at the cost of Jesus' own blood. It, remember, it was temporary in the Old Testament with the sacrificial system that was set up at the Old Testament. But, and it was temporary. Jesus shed blood. And so they had, they had to return every year to get this done. Jesus shed blood makes it permanent for you and I. How many remember in the Hebrews it talks about that Jesus went one time, one time and he dealt with all of our sin. Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. And so what I mean by that uh, sanctify it's easy to understand from the verse that we uh, just read that uh, the cost was Jesus' own blood. So it was a part of the purchase price of the blood of Jesus for our sin. That what sanctification actually simply means is union with God. It goes beyond that of just cleansing. It goes beyond reconciliation. It goes beyond pardon. It goes beyond cleansing. Paul said in Ephesians 5 and 26, speaking to the church, because uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that the intent was not only to cleanse, 
but to sanctify. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. So if we're going to go back to the Old Testament, we would discover something here. And this is something I honestly did not know until recently. I had never seen it before. Some of you people that uh, are great scholars in the Word, you probably have already seen it. Kudos to you. But I had not ever seen this. If we were to go back to the Old Testament, it would help to uh, clarify what I'm saying here. We could discover something looking at uh, passage, the passage of uh, Exodus 29. We're not going to read it today because we're already running out of time this morning. And Leviticus chapter 8. So uh, your homework is to read Exodus 29 and Leviticus, Leviticus 8. And they're very, very interesting. Now, I want, I want to reiterate, we're talking about uh, sanctification and purification and, and cleansing and all these things. And the Old Testament in Exodus 29 and Leviticus 8 helped give us some understanding. So when you compare the process of consecration of the Levites to that of the Levitical priests, there was quite a difference. In the case of the Levites, in the case of the Levites, reconciliation and uh, purification for sin was made by the sprinkling of water. That was the Levites, the tribe of Levi. So in the case of the Levites, reconciliation and purification for sin was made by the sprinkling of water, the washing of water, but not by the sprinkling of blood. I don't know if anybody knew that or not. I'm not trying to be somebody so uh, smart, you know, and, and brag on myself because I read this and, and I had to be instructed myself. I did not know this on my own. They were not sprinkled above the blood. The Levitical priests, however, the process of uh, consecration, they were sprinkled by the blood. So it's very interesting. And what's that all mean? What is that little truth? What does that little, a little bit of understanding actually mean? And it means that the priests were sanctified by a closer, more personal and intimate application of the blood of Jesus. They were closer and they were more intimate because of the shed blood and the application of the blood. And it was a foreshadow, so it was a foreshadow of the sanctification purchased by the blood of Jesus himself. You and I now share in that opportunity. And this is something that really blessed me uh, to uh, gain an understanding. So let's look just a little bit more in, um, into this uh, sanctification and into holiness. Earlier we mentioned that sanctification means a union with God. We also know from previous lessons that the blood of Jesus literally has paved the way the, uh, to the throne of grace. In other words, we can literally uh, have a relationship, one-on-one -on -one relationship with God himself. That in, in and of itself is an amazing thought that we have uh, 
relationship with the living God. And Jesus' blood shed a, a shed blood paved the way to that throne of grace and the throne of God. It gave us the right, literally, to come into the presence of God and approach His throne with boldness and make our petitions known unto Him. And I mentioned last week, it, it's kind of um, interesting, and, and some of us got a little bit of a chuckle. I heard some of us have a little bit of a chuckle, but the shed blood of Jesus was so accepted by God it was so accepted by God that it was perfect. It was a perfect sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when uh, the priest, when the high priest went in annually to present the shed blood of the sacrifice on the altar in front of God, before when he was uh, passing through the veil, or before he passed through the veil, they had to tie a rope to his foot or his ankle, if you will. Because if he didn't do protocol just right, if the blood wasn't just right, if he wasn't sprinkled with the blood, if he wasn't doing the protocol just right, when he passed through the veil, going to the altar and, and, and the uh, Ark of the Covenant and, and where the presence of God was, if he didn't do that right, he would die, literally die, and they would have to pull him out by his ankle with that rope. So I just want to make sure that you understand the shed blood of Jesus for you and I was a perfect sacrifice. There's no chance of that happening to you and I. We can approach the throne room of grace with all the boldness that we uh, care to bring to him. So in order to understand uh, what sanctification is all about, we also must understand the holiness of God. Because God is a holy God. Nobody can approach the throne of God. Something has to die first. And you and I know very well now that Jesus died on a cross for you and I. That, my friends, I'm not certain we all know enough about. It's the holiness of God. We can't approach him without the shed blood of Jesus. It's the holiness. Leviticus 11.44 in part A says, For I am the Lord. Understand this. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy. For I am holy. God wants to make sure you understand. I am holy. And if you read verse 45, it would reiterate that. Revelation 15, 4, part A. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. So holiness is one part of the attribute or the nature of God is a holy God, and in order to be able to approach Him face to face, we must sanctify ourselves. And we do that by accepting the blood of Jesus into our life. In our case, we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and accept His blood as the purchasing agent, giving us the right to approach the throne 
of God. But I want, uh, you know, for us to understand something about the holiness of God that I'm not certain we all understand. Because I'm not sure that I understood until relatively recently. Many of us, when we think of the holiness of God, so let me ask you this question. When somebody talks about the holiness of God, what is it that comes to your mind when we talk about the holiness of God? Many of us think of the holiness of God, we tend to associate it with the fact that God hates sin. And he does. God hates sin. In fact, sin we know had to be punished. And something had to die and spill his blood in order to satisfy and appease God. The Old Testament we know was a sacrificial system that was set up the slaying of a lamb once a year that satisfied God's law against sin. But it was only a temporary solution. Now in the New Testament, a more perfect, a perfect solution, a permanent solution was offered through the blood of Jesus. And I think this is where many believers are still at, um, are still uh, at a loss for understanding the holiness of God. I'm not finished just yet. We have that negative approach to the subject of holiness. Our approach to God then becomes skewed, and we only think of God as an angry God. At one point in time, uh, yeah, I gave my heart to the Lord 30-some years ago. Hallelujah. But for the longest time, I was afraid of God. I know the Bible teaches us that we should have a fear of God, but I was afraid of Him. And, and what I mean by that is that I was afraid to get out of line. I was afraid to get out of line. Why was that? Because I wasn't sure what he was going to do to me. How many have ever believed that God was going to squish you under his thumb because he was an angry God and because he hated sin? And I think that's where a lot of believers are at. Our approach to God then becomes skewed and we only think of God as an angry God angry God, fearful of what he might do to us if we go a little too far. I know that there are people that, uh, you know, their hearts were just broken. And when you speak to them, you find out that they just feel like they can't get back in God's good graces, so to speak. They just don't have, uh, know and understand that God's not mad at them. He's not going to squish them. It's not the end of their world. It's not the end of their life. They just don't know what he really thinks about. The problem is they don't know what he really thinks about them. Let me try to clarify that before we close here. Not too much more. Sometimes I think God can't. Sometimes I believe people think that God can't wait to squash them if they get out of line. And that's where I was. That's the impression that I had. That's the kind of impression I used to have. And the problem is, is that type of thinking doesn't make for a very intimate, loving relationship with God, does it? It's miserable, actually, to think that you're, you have this awareness of the presence of God, and you know He's real and all these things, but you don't know where you stand with Him. So there's a, a, 
problem with intimacy and there's a problem with love and that loving relationship with him. So what we need to understand about God and his nature is that there is another side to it. Yes, he is, uh, and he hates sin. But get a hold of this. This is going to change your thinking forever, I believe, about God. You need to know the flip side of the coin, in other words. The holiness of God is not all about his hostility towards sin, but rather it's about his goodness. His goodness outweighs the hostility towards sin. The holiness of God is more about his goodness and what he truly desires for you than it does about punishing your sin. He does not want to hold your sin to your account. If he did, then Jesus wouldn't have come. Understand that. He punishes sin, yes, but he redeems the people. That's what he's all about. That's what his holiness is all about. And I will uh, try to uh, connect sanctification with his holiness. It's his supreme will, however, to bestow his goodness on you. Because of God's holiness, some people, I want you to think about that for a minute. Because some people have this understanding or this impression that uh, God just feels sorry for us. And that uh, he's moved by our tears all the time. There, and, and there's a, yes, he stores our tears, the Bible says, in, a, in, in the bottle, in the book of Revelation. But part of the problem with is that he, unless we are born again, this stuff doesn't move him. Our troubles doesn't move him. What moves him is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because of his holiness, it moved him to the point that he sought after you and offered you a way of redemption. That's what moves God. This is what Jesus has done for you. He has this, he, he wants to share his uh, loving uh, goodness with you and I. Yes, I, I probably misspoke by uh, leaving you with the impression that he's not moved by all of our uh, hardship and heartache, and that's probably not exactly what I was trying to say, but uh, he does have a heart for you and I, and his goodness was moved in such a way that he sent Jesus Christ and, and made an offering as a way of redemption. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And now he calls you and I to an intimate relationship with him. God chooses to have a relationship with you. He will not force any of this on you. So you have to sanctify yourself. You have to receive it yourself. You have to have a desire in your heart to get closer to God in order for you to be compatible with him we in turn must be holy God's a holy God and so the blood of Jesus purchased that way for us to be sanctified or in union with him so that we can become compatible with God does that make sense 
It's the blood, shed blood that purchased that for you and I. It's the only way to be sanctified. It's in union with God. The Bible says to be holy, even as I am holy. 1 Peter 1 and 15, and we're about to close here this morning. But as he, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And so we're running out of time here this morning and for this week. And we're not near finished on this aspect of sanctification by the blood of Jesus. So if you want to hear the rest of that to get caught up, I guess you'll have to listen uh, next week and, and we'll be able to conclude uh, this uh, part of sanctification and His holiness. And, and then we'll move on into the idea of the sanctification and separation. So I just, I hope that I was able to get across to you that uh, it's the shed blood of Jesus that purchased our sanctification and purchased a way for us to be uh, in fellowship with God, to be tightly in union with God to the point that God's uh, nature begins to uh, become ours. It begins to transform us, and that's where I was trying to go with that. So I pray that uh, for next week that you'll all uh, uh, want to be a part of the service as well, and we'll uh, talk, talk a little bit more about the sanctification and separation of the blood of Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, I come before you. Uh, it was kind of an abrupt end. I know it was kind of hard, maybe a little bit for me, because there's not a congregation here uh, for me to look eyeball to eyeball, but I want to be able to uh, impart some things and some understanding and some teaching into the people's lives. Some of us may have been in uh, Christianity for many, many years and don't really understand this stuff. And so I want to pray that we'll take it to heart, we'll begin to understand it, begin to absorb it, and make it our own, and uh, trust in the shed blood of Jesus for the purpose, for the purpose of having an even greater appreciation for what Jesus did uh, all throughout his life, but in particularly that last uh, week before he went to the cross and died for our sin and was resurrected again. We can appreciate that blood that he shed, beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Um, and uh, I just want to give you praise, Father, for your understanding and the power of your Spirit who enlightens us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.